It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. We are back for season two, Jeremiah. <laughs> what is up, Season folks? two. I can't Podcast believe we made land. it. I can't believe we made it. Dude, we somehow survived. I don't know what happened. I mean, neither one of us died of COVID, so that was a big plus. Um, I like that. Your beard still looks immaculate. Yeah, Bridget said I need to shave it next month, so oh, we'll dude. see. If we do that, it's going to have to be live. Yeah. Dude, I've seen some people do it for like charity. You seem like I, I think do. you should. I think you should do it for charity. We could do it for the John Kelly needs a new backpack uh, fund. That would be <laughs> awesome. I think we could raise a lot of money for that. Count so, me out, man. Uh, you would Jeremiah like needs that. a new backpack. Hey, so so cool thing today. Yeah. You know, a few weeks back, we were talking on the podcast. And actually, it's been more than a few weeks now. I guess it's been a couple months. Yeah. Uh, we were talking on the podcast, and we were talking. Tim Watson came up in conversation, and I made the comment, there will come a day when Tim Watson will talk to me. I will, I will meet this guy, and he will talk to me. Yeah. Do you remember this? It. And you said it'll never happen. That'll never happen. Well, today, you have been proven wrong. <laughs> because, because today, we have a special guest on this show, and it is the one, the only, Tim Watson. Welcome, Tim Watson. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Glad, we're really glad to have you on here, man. Really glad to have you on here. Uh, the truth about this is, you guys know each other. Yeah, we know each other yeah. in person. Yeah, you guys have done some some trips together and stuff. Yeah. And so uh, yeah. that was kind of the connection here. Um, why don't you, Tim, tell us a little bit about your history with backpacking and what got, what you got in, how you got into it, I guess, and uh, why you still do it. Yeah, my, my, uh, my friend who uh, some of you know, Subaru Josh, will always take credit for, for getting me to backpacking, which is, which is pretty much true. Back in... Uh, I don't know, 2016, I want to say, maybe 2015, um, Josh was getting into hiking. And so we were just started. he started, he wanted to do a day hike to Hocking Hills. And we, he wanted to pull a group together. And you know how it is when you get a group together is that everyone wants to go until the day of. Right, exactly. <laughs> and every time. so he, yeah, he pulled it all together and he's like, dude, you still want to go? You're the only one who wants to come. And I, we barely knew each other, just acquaintances. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I'm still going to go. And we went to Hawking Hills. It was the middle of winter. It was, it was cold. It was in January, but it was an awesome time. And that spoke to me. I think I, I came home from that day hiking trip and I was like, I'm going to hike the AT. I don't know about anyone else, but <laughs> wow. I'm going to go out there. And I was looking at packs and I was looking at all this stuff. And, uh, it wasn't until about six months later that I had my like first trip uh, to the Smokies. Uh, wow. I, I think I, I YouTube that. That was my, one of my first uh, couple, at least my first backpacking video was doing uh, the Hannah Mountain Trail, Trail Abrams Falls, and uh, Gregory Bolt. And uh, it's been awesome since then. That's great, man. Who'd you go with on that trip? Or did you do solo for like the first backpacking? No, no. It was uh, with Subaru. So Subaru Josh came with me. And he, he always laughs because we all we have different memories of that trip. Like for me, I was like, it was hard, but it was a blast. And yeah. he, he came out of it. He's like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the coffee guy, isn't he? That guy, like. Yeah. Yep. Super Josh, we need to get him on here at some point and yeah. just talk coffee with him. Because that dude, he knows his coffee. I love him. And, what you know, yeah. I think the first time that, that we met in person, um, we had talked a little bit online, but. Um, you, I didn't even know you were going to be there, and I kind of hopped out of the vehicle at Red River Gorge in Kentucky, and then I saw you and I think Subaru and maybe Adam or Lance from Outland. And yep. um, I was like, oh, hey, Tim. And then we kind of started talking about weight loss because I think me, you, and Josh had cut a bunch of weight. Yeah, yeah. I, had, I lost, let's see, I think 30 pounds uh just before getting into backpacking. Wow. So I was looking for a kind of a hobby that would help me keep weight off. 
And so it just kind of dovetailed nicely. I was into running and, and just trying to cut back a little bit more and just staying healthy. That was the goal, just to get healthy. Because I, I was like, ah, you know, this is not good for, <laughs> for a long period of time to stay at the, the way I was. I was 250. I think I got down all the way to 210. And then I was like, ah, 210 was a little too too small for me. <laughs> I remember being like, I feel too skinny. Like I had something's wrong. I just feel too skinny. And I, I, I had a little bounce back. So yeah, I, I feel pretty comfortable where I'm at right now. I'm about 230. Nice. Now, this is a side question. It has nothing to do with your history or past or anything. Just out of curiosity, I noticed um, you're sporting the beard these days. So so what brought about the, the beard growth as opposed to just keeping the iconic mustache? You know, I've had the mustache well, for as long as I've known, so probably since puberty. And I've just always just kept the mustache. And occasionally I'll grow the beard out uh, when I get lazy. Um, but I never pass that prickly stage oh, of itchy. like how this itches. Yeah, it just itches. And my wife was not a big fan of that stage at all. So usually I would go for maybe a week and she'd be like, okay, you can get rid of that now. Um, nice. But somehow during this quarantine COVID time, what ended up happening is I got past that point and she's like, I actually kind of like it and it doesn't hurt her. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. she was totally, she's totally on board with it. And that's really what did it. It's just laziness from being at home. And uh, I think to myself, well, I don't have to shave. So here's, here's what it is. I guess I actually just trimmed the beard uh, a week or two ago. So it's, it's lower, but she likes that look that kind of trimmed, uh, defined beard look. So that's what I'm going to go with for now. But when Jeremiah sees me again, probably he'll be, he'll be back to what it was. <laughs> happy wife, happy life, man. Dude, exactly. You got to do it right. They say the sexiest beard length is five day stubble. Oh, interesting. I don't really? know. I don't know how true that is. It's probably who, like, who is they? I think it was like uh, <laughs> some magazine, like some survey or something. Yeah. But, I'll, honestly, I've never answered a survey for a magazine, so I don't know who those people are. That I want to know who they are because people always say they say it's the collective they, man. <laughs> yeah, it's Illuminati. Yeah. You never know <laughs> the Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, dude, we uh, we're gonna meet up soon, and you're gonna see this beard. And I have been treating it every day, twice a day. Do you do anything for your beard? Um, since I trimmed it, no, but. Usually what I do, the big thing I do is I wash it and condition it every day. And then I uh, actually straighten it every day. How? Actually, that was one of my purchases this quarantine time is I got a cheap beard straightener. And yeah, that's a thing. You've inspired me on that, by the way. You you need to know this. Like I watched the Shill Brothers (laughs) thing. uh, I guess it was last week or the week before, whenever it was. And you mentioned a beard straightener and my eyes lit up and my ears perked up and I just kind of listened. And I went online and I found a bunch of these things all over Amazon. Right? Yeah, and, they and are. I'm like, I need to get one of these because if I don't take good care of my beard, I start looking like Joe Dirt, and it's just not a good thing. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to invest in one of these things. They're not that expensive. It's like twenty bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. And you can I because I'm, I'm cheaper, and I was like, ah, I think I found one for fourteen dollars. I'm like, okay, at least it will be worth a shot and see see what happens. And it works. I mean, you dry your beard mostly in the morning and. Leave it like a, a little bit damp, but not super damp, and then just let it heat up. So usually what I do is I hop in the shower, plug that straightener in just before I hop in the shower. When I'm done showering, then I'll straighten my beard. And uh, it looks good. I need to be doing that. I don't I'm, know about that, man. <laughs> dude, I'm looking pretty haggard right now. Mine's like kind of all over the place at times. Good, man. I did stuff to it this morning. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely treated it this morning a little bit. I knew we were going to do video, and I didn't want to look like my normal self. So. <laughs> you didn't want to bum out? Yeah, I was, I was like, I'm going to be on video, so I put on my best Star Wars t-shirt and got my beard cleaned up. So, Oh, look at this, dude. Can you read that? The Day Hiker. Yeah, I found this shop down in Gallenberg. We were on vacation, because everybody, there's only two places you go on vacation if you're from Kentucky. There's like the Pigeon Fork Gallenberg area and Myrtle Beach. For right, some reason, that's right. where everybody goes. They go, they go to Myrtle Beach and get coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, we avoided it. <laughs> and they go to Gatlinburg and they go to the Pepper Palace. Oh, dude, there's so many shops down there. You can just eat. You can be like, I'll take a whole turkey leg and oh, a giant pizza, like an 18-inch pizza. Yeah. But I, I, there was this little hiking shop. This lady, she checked out in front of me, and I was just buying this shirt, right? And this lady checked out, and she was, like, asking about maps and places to hike around um, the Smokies. 
and yeah. I talked to her and told her like download all trails and that kind of stuff. And she was ringing out, and you know how they put like chapstick and lighters and stuff like that, gum and stuff around cash registers. Yeah, yeah. Well, in this shop, they had all kinds of like little hiking accessories, like bottle clips to put your bottle on your backpack and that kind of stuff. And are they the official Dan Becker bottle <laughs> clips? <laughs> Does That's he have the, his own brand? Uh, I, I think Z Packs <laughs> or whoever makes those things sent him like an entire box. You stick it full of them. You stick like the bottle in the little <laughs> yeah, clip. and then the clip, and you. Like hang yeah. it on your backpack or That's something. That's what it was, dude. You should hear him and Carl Mandrioli from Backpacking and Blisters get into it over that. Oh, they, yeah. they get mad. At I, I think they're friends until they start talking about the backpacking bottle clip thing. Wow, well, it never, becomes a battle. It's really entertaining. I didn't buy one of those, but this baby, this lady bought a um, a bear bell, like the like a jingle bell. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. No a bear bell is that a thing? Yeah, you seen them, Tim? Yeah, I don't. Every, I've only seen them once or twice around uh, when I've hiked. Okay, I, I just realized what you're saying. I'm thinking to myself, a, a bell that looks like a bear. No. You said that, so I'm sitting here imagining myself. In my head, I'm going, why in the world would you want a bell that looks like a bear? No, I, I'm, I'm with you now. I'm, it's I'm like with you now. The ones that's on Santa's sleigh, to you were to cut one away. of those off. Yeah, yeah it's to, so that you, you alert them before you get to them, right? You don't want to spook a bear. Right. You want it to know ahead of time. Well, she bought one of those, and I actually saw on my first ever trip, first ever overnight or backpacking trip I'd done was through the Smokies, um, and there was a Swedish couple or something that they had one of these bear bells, and this lady bought one, and I was like, man, that's really not for me, but I thought about telling her, yeah, I get it, I thought about telling her, uh, Man, I don't think it's a good purchase. But I was like, ah, she's at the cash register, and this lady's ringing her up. And I was like, ah, I don't have the heart to, to be like, I don't know if I'd buy that. But to each their own, I guess. You know, everybody's got to do what they yeah. got to do, man. Everybody's got to do what they got to do. So, so Tim, I'm gonna when. Let me ask you this, because you said that first trip in the Smokies, you that was one of your first YouTube videos, right? Yeah. Yes. So what what was the switch that turned on that made you go, I want to do YouTube videos? I think I. Uh... I've mentioned this before probably in, in a, a previous video of mine, but I, I used to watch um, MKBHD on YouTube. Oh, he's yeah, a yeah, huge yeah. He's a, a tech reviewer and just technology in general. And he was making videos. I think he, he did a, a video of some kind, and he said, hey, man, you just, just got to make a video and start and find something you're passionate about and make a video. And I thought, okay, I guess uh, I'll do that. I mean, because it was a time in, in my life, 2016, where I had switched employers and it wasn't the best fit. So I needed to find some sort of outlet. And so it just turns out YouTube was there. My kids were pretty young right. uh, back when I started YouTube. And I was like, oh, I got I got some time. Because usually once, you know, when they're little, they're in bed at what, 37 when yeah. they're super little. Yeah. And so then they're, I'm like, okay, well, I guess got to find something to do. So that's what I kind of got into is uh, YouTube and starting videos. That's cool. That's cool. I remember uh, back in 2015, a buddy of mine asked me to do Mount Kilimanjaro with him. And oh, uh, wow. and uh, I said yes, and I shouldn't have. No, I should have because <laughs> it was awesome. But, uh, but I had to train a lot that year, but I also had to do a lot of studying on equipment and gear and stuff. And uh, so I did a lot of I did a lot of video watching back then. Guys like Darwin weren't a big deal yet. You know, he was just doing the Appalachian Trail at that point. Uh, Dixie wasn't a big deal yet. There were you. You know, I, I hadn't heard any of your stuff because obviously you weren't there yet. But then yep. Yep. I was going to do the Sheltoe Trace a couple years later, and it's 2017, and I'm training for that. And uh, I came upon a bunch of backpacking videos, and one of the videos I saw was a video of yours, and I think it was titled "You're Doing It Wrong." I think is what the video was titled. And I remember seeing that, and I'm going to shoot straight with you right now. Like, this is going to be honest. I saw that, and I thought, what an arrogant guy to be, like, <laughs> telling me I don't know what I'm doing. Like, who who does this, you know? And I remember, you know, I didn't know much about these videos back then. That was just, like, clickbait, you know, and stuff. But so you I just, clicked on it, right? You no, I actually, I actually avoided your videos for a while. <laughs> you can believe it. it. I actually was like, I'm not watching this guy's video. What a jerk. I'm not doing it. And so I, I didn't watch it. And uh, it was like maybe a year later, not even years, maybe a few months later. And uh -huh. um, 
I was looking up something. I was trying to decide, do I want to go in a hammock or do I want to go in a tent? And uh, ended up pulling up a couple of your videos. And then I subscribed and I just started watching your videos. And uh, so it's some entertaining stuff, man. You've got a lot of, you got a <laughs> lot of good tips and stuff. But I got to be honest with you. At first, I, I, I just thought you were a jerk. So I couldn't, I couldn't I gotta, watch your videos. I got to think, think about that video now, which one it, what, what it was. I, it was yeah, so- they, that was just when, uh, there were, if you go back and look at my videos, it's, it's funny. Um, Cause I, I don't know when I started doing those kind of like talking head type videos. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you guys know that Dan, Dan does a bunch of them now. Um, but I, th- I started doing it and then I kind of stopped cause I'm like, ah, I'm not really a big fan of doing those videos for me. Right. Um, occasionally I'll, if I ever come back more uh, regularly, I'll, I'll do them again. But I remember thinking even when I usually those videos kind of make me conflict because I'm like, how am I going to title this? Cause I really don't want to drop <laughs> Uh, push people away like you mentioned <laughs> but i want to be able to hook you that you want to go ahead and click and watch the video <laughs> yeah so i i got to know backpacking with jason mr backpacking with jason sir sir and um, we we have a little trip scheduled with him and a few of us including you very very soon um, i don't know how soon it is relative to this it might have already happened by the time we put out this podcast but um he he asked me like what kind of video camera am I shooting with? Cause I started doing YouTube too. Like my first trip was in June, I believe like late May, early June, something like that. My first ever trip. And then in October I started writing a blog about backpacking and sharing my stories. And then I bought, um, after talking to our world outdoors, Tony, he's like, dude, you gotta start videoing this stuff. And I've, like bought a little camera or started using my phone or something. And I got to know Jason and he was like, what kind of camera are you using? I told him blah, blah, blah. And he's like, dude, you know where I got my information from? He's like, I started watching Tim Watson's videos and he was like, man, those look really good. So he messaged you, I believe if I'm getting this right. Yeah, he did. And he was like, what kind of camera do you use? And what did you tell him? I told him I use my phone. That's the only thing he's ever seen. <laughs> is that not every, insane? Yep. Every single video you've ever seen on my channel is uh, a cell phone. And so when I first started back then, I believe it was the iPhone 6. And um, that did not have the physical optical image stabilization that the newer iPhones have. Right. And so that way you could definitely tell uh, it was more like digital smoothing. And I hated that look. <laughs> I actually turned it off. I'd rather see the jarry look than, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. than the you're gonna make yourself sick yeah. <laughs> look. But yeah, it's all been all been cell phones. And then I was super excited. I remember following the iPhone when it first when it finally came out with uh, the physical optical image stabilization on the phone. I think it was the seven or seven plus. I don't remember which one it was. And I'm being like, I'm getting that. And then then is when people started commenting about the quality more than anything else. And I'm like, Hey, this is just my phone. And for, for a long time, I just actually edited my phone as well. I use oh, iMovie. Really? With, yeah. I use, uh, I use iMovie for a long time and just everything was like, Hey, it's on my phone, edit an iMovie and pull it up to YouTube. Yeah. You can do so much stuff with minimal equipment. Like sometimes people message me and stuff about like getting started on YouTube and mm-hmm. I'll be like, dude, your phone and computer can do anything. Like, if you're worried about getting subscribers and stuff, like, your phone can get you your first thousand subscribers before you ever think about upgrading anything. Yeah. Because most people, whenever they start something new, they just quit because, you know, you're starting, you don't know how difficult it's going to be, and you don't even know if you'll like it. Like, that's why I borrowed all my equipment whenever I first started backpacking. Is I was like, man, if this sucks, I don't want to spend a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars on all this stuff, and then just have to turn around and take a take a big price drop and sell it. So, yeah, yeah. phones were tight, man. Big, the big thing for me is actually at one point, I think when the channel was getting really hot, uh, well, relatively hot, where I was, I think I had just broken ten thousand subs or something. And I remember thinking to myself okay, I'm going to get a camera. I'm going to be like a big boy now. I'm definitely going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to, I think I bought a Canon like uh, Rebel, EOS Rebel or something. It was really highly rated. And I'm like, I bought it and I just hated the workflow 
Like it just disrupted me to the point where I'm like, okay, so I have this new camera. I figure it out. And then I have to pull out this memory card and then I put, put it onto the computer. And I was like, ah, so I actually returned it. I was like, no, this is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's demotivating. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because Jeremiah and I, we both have DSLR cameras. Well, I have a DSLR. You have a mirrorless yeah, camera, but mirrorless. basically the same thing. But, uh, we we took those out for trips for a while, and now we've both gone back to iPhones. Yeah, the newest yeah. iPhone. Because it looks, the only thing that I don't like about it, and I did notice the image stabilization, you were talking about that, I was going to add, like, the new phones now, the image stabilization is so good. I followed Quicksand on the trail, and he was doing the AT, and it got controversial and stuff, but I watched his videos, and he was using... Um, a Samsung, like the newest Samsung Galaxy or something, and I thought the entire time he had a gimbal until like a few days before his, his last video. He was like, I just wanted to show everybody that um, this whole time all you needed was a phone and a tripod. And he had, what's the little tripod that we have? Yours broke. The um, oh, Ultrapod. Yeah, yeah, the Ultrapod. He had like the big one. And that was it. And I was like, I thought the whole time he had a gimbal. And it was just his phone. But I got that new iPhone. And the only thing I don't like about it is two things. The microphone, it has, iPhones have three microphones. They have one at the bottom, one at the place the sound comes out at your ear at the top, and one on the back where the camera is. And that's how they're like canceling out noise and stuff around you. And... You can hear, I don't know if my audience can hear on YouTube. They probably can if they start listening now. You know, it's like yeah, when you're a teacher and you're, you're just, like, you're opening yourself up to criticism yeah. now, basically. <laughs> it's like you tell them, then they start noticing. But I can hear, like, if I'm editing it and I have headphones, I edit with ed- headphones, you know, because you want to hear the sound quality as best as you can. And you can kind of hear the dominant ear, what the, the microphone's kind of pointing toward. And I don't like that. And it doesn't have like the little, um, regular microphone input on phone, you have to use an adapter. So I was like, no. Yeah. And then secondly, yeah. the colors are kind of changed a little bit. I don't know if it's the HDR or what, but the color correction, it's like impossible because it'll change like yellows oh, and, yeah, yeah. and greens. Yeah. But the workflow, dude, I switched to a PC because I had to build it and pay for it. And it mm-hmm. was so much cheaper than a Mac. I was editing everything on Mac. And the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life is take videos, like gigs of videos from your iPhone and put them on PC. It's pretty much impossible. <laughs> yeah. I challenge anybody to do it. I had to put them on my Mac, put them on an SD card, put the SD card in my computer, and then put them on my computer. It's ridiculous. Well, yeah, that's what you get. <laughs> I should have stuck with Mac. <laughs> should have stuck with Mac. That's what you get, man. You just have to deal with that. Yeah, but Tim, your quality's top notch, man. I can't believe everything's just done on a cell phone. Even in your like house, I notice you have um, the bookshelf, and you do like little. I don't know. You like switch the books around and stuff when you're talking. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I, I actually really enjoyed that. That was actually a corner of our spare room that I just commandeered, and I said to my wife, "Hey, I'm just going to use this corner," and I just set up that little. It's like a, yeah, just like a little corner in my spare room. And uh, I bumped it up. I, I felt like it really bumped it up by having like studio lights yeah. and playing around with lights and making sure there's not a whole lot of shadow or it's not too bright. And yeah, just like little fun things like that, changing out to whatever books I'm reading is kind of fun to do and so that people notice. Uh, I'm surprised at how many people notice stuff like that. Like I didn't announce it. I didn't say anything um, until later. And then people are really like, cause, I mean, you're watching somebody you're really like watching and examining everything in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's extreme. <laughs> and so people are like, hey, I saw on your top shelf of your bookshelf that you have this book. What do you think of it? Who are you, who's your favorite author? I could tell you like Brandon Sanderson. And so it's funny to see the comments that come through. That's awesome. What's the last book you read? Uh, I just finished uh, rereading The Lord of the Rings, uh, The Fellowship of the Rings. Oh, really? Nice. Man, it's been 20 years since I read that book. Yeah, yeah it's been a long time. I read it uh, through in college, and I was talking about it with my kids, and I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to read that again. Yeah, so I, I just started reading it. I read it in college, too. That's when I that's when I read it. Yeah, yeah I was in college 20 years ago, Jeremiah. Yeah, You're looking dude. at me with this like stunned look <laughs> on your face. Yeah, that <laughs> I was 20-some <laughs> years ago, John, Jeremiah. <laughs> I was going to say... <laughs> I watched the movies for the first time in college, and <laughs> I've never read the books. Okay, funny thing. I have to I tell Tim about this. So, right, tell so 
I don't know where, how the conversation came up. I think it came up six or eight months ago, and it was Jeremiah and Jason and I were out at the Red River Gorge, and we're talking about people we've backpacked with and stuff, and they had mentioned, you know, that, that they'd gone out on a trip with you, and uh, I said, so what's Tim like? And, and Jeremiah goes, I don't know, but I think he psychoanalyzes me every time I'm talking <laughs> he to him. He does. He's doing it right now. I can feel it. <laughs> Are, what's your day job, Tim? So I'm a school psychologist. Okay. See, that's why so I, I work think. For, yeah. Most people say that. Like, I, I work for a, uh, a, a school district here in rural Ohio. We only have about uh, 1,600 kids, uh, K-12. And so I'm the only one that I cover, uh, I cover our wow. school. That's a big job. Yeah. I think I'm right ab- about where I, sh- the max of what I can do. Like, any, any more, and it'll just get too much. Like, I think uh, in Ohio, I think... Uh, the average ratio I'm supposed to have another of me <laughs> for 1,600 yeah. kids. Yeah, that's a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids. I mean, high schools that are smaller than that will have two. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that's crazy. So here's the big question then. Are you psychoanalyzing Jeremiah every time you talk to him? And if you are, what are you I, figuring out? I am not. I usually do not. But what I do is uh, I, I love uh, observing people. And people watching and like trying to trying to figure people out. I don't know if you, I guess you would call that psychoanalyzing, but (laughs) trying to figure out motivations and why people think what they do. And so I just have fun with that. That's cool. Well, I, I I just, I was really hoping you were psychoanalyzing him so you could give us some insights as to what you've, you figured out about (laughs) Jeremiah. Cause I don't think any of the rest of us know what to think of Jeremiah half the time. Nobody's got a clue, dude. It's just trying to figure (laughs) that one out. We have, so we know, um, a couple of other people that are backpackers and do YouTube, but their day job are police officers. And I remember sitting and eating with them and they were like, do you mind if I sit over here? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. And we we're like in a dairy queen or something. And I was like, so I'm just curious, why do y'all want to sit over there? And they're like, well, we like to see all the exits. And I was like, why do you like to see all the exits? And they're like, I don't know. It's just ingrained in us because of their training. They do so much training stuff that they want to see all the exits. And they also, um, I'm like, well, what are you looking for on, on people? And they're like, we just subconsciously now, um, they're checking where people's hands are, right? They're looking and they check their waistline. And I'm like, wow, I never would have thought. And I guarantee you, I do stuff like that as a teacher, not like looking for danger and checking my surroundings and stuff. But. Now, now, for those of you who are listening right now, he's talking about Miyagi and Trips. Yeah. And uh, they are two really cool, uh, two them. cool people from Wisconsin that we actually got to become friends with from doing a hammock hang with them back in November, yeah, or October, Mich- last October, Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. And uh, yeah, Miyagi's a cool guy. He actually just started his own hammock company. Did he start his own it's, hammock company? It, he's actually got the, uh, I forget what the name of it is now. Dang it. Man. But, uh, he just started up and they're, up. they're on Instagram. So if, uh, yeah, I could look up on my phone, but they, uh, he's, I think it's called Trailcraft, maybe. Dude, no way. Somebody just emailed me like yesterday or the day before and asked me, does Miyagi actually make those for like a job or is he just doing that for fun? And I was like, nah, dude, he just does it for fun. I was like, you need to check out, um, like dream hammocks or something. And now I got to go back and email him. And you know, he's going to be listening to this too. So oh, you just, he's, he's going to love the fact sorry, that you dude. told people that he doesn't sell stuff. <laughs> sorry. I gotta, I gotta hook back up with him, man. Um, yeah, he lives up in Wisconsin. I remember speaking of hammocks. I remember I was on a trip with Tim and he, you handed me my, uh, you handed me your backpack. Do you remember this on the last yeah. day? And I fell to that backpack and I guarantee you it was like eight pounds. It was like nothing. And my backpack yeah. was like 35 pounds. Well, you're ultra light though, Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah, you're really ultra light. Tim, tell us about it. Why is why is my backpack 35 pounds and you hand me yours and I can like wear them both? I could wear yours in the front comfortably I'm, and mine in the back. I'm sure you could, especially on that last day. That's like some of my favorite parts. Is it, uh, just because, I mean, you, you have more traditional gear. I mean, especially when I see you out with your your wife, you have to accommodate for her too, as things you want to yeah. carry. But like my stuff is pretty much like, especially in the summer months, it's pretty stripped down. And it took a while to get to that point. Um, but I love my pack. It's a superior wilderness design frameless pack. And I, I pretty much love that thing in the summer. Because once food is out, I mean, it's so light. I just have my hammock 
my quilt in there and my pad is the bulk of it. And uh, the rest of the stuff is just like uh, ditty bag type stuff. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a, that was a fun trip. That was the one with a cloud splitter in uh, Red River Gorge, wasn't it? Yeah, dude, you climbed right up that like a yeah, madman, like nothing. <laughs> Man's got skills. People's got to go back and watch the video of this. Tim was pretty much jogging up cloud splitter. Really? Yeah. How tall? How, Tim, how tall are you? Six one. Six. Okay, so he's an old tall guy. Has big long legs. He is, yeah, he's tall. It's not like us midgets that have like <laughs> super short legs. That I watch. Nah, dude. I, I watch. Well, I'll go hiking with this guy, and he would just stepped on that rock right there, and I'm like, Jeremiah, that's like 27 feet away from me, yeah, no and he biggie, just steps dude. on it like it's nothing. Bridget got so mad on her last trip. You you'll have to watch the video. I haven't put it out yet, but she was angry, and she was like, "What the heck? I can't get I can't get over all these trees and stuff." I was like, "Just step here," and she's like, "My leg won't go that high." I was like, no, there's nothing I could do. <laughs> Funny story is that, you know, even through that cloud splitter stuff, I actually am afraid of heights. I'm not a big fan of heights. It took wow. me, it was a lot worse when I was a kid. Um, but I just pretty much swallow whatever fear I have and be like, okay, I'm just going to do it. And uh, yeah, so so even that rope climb that we did up cloud splitter, Jeremiah, not a fan. But I do it anyway. I push myself to get it done. <laughs> tell tell them about the cave that we went in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because so I couldn't get uh, up there. You didn't come come in with us. Yeah, but I had to come in afterward. I was defeated. I was so angry. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 You and Jason were kind of like that, weren't you? You were mad at yourself. <laughs> yeah, and I just had to get in there because uh, everybody yeah, else could do it. I saw two girls climbing out, and I was like, I had exactly. To get in there. Yep. That's the worst, so, too. When you see somebody who you should be able to hike at least as well as they do, and, and you can't do it, that is the worst. Yeah, so there, there's this giant, I don't know how to describe it, just a giant crack. Uh, imagine this giant stone, and it has a crack right down the middle, uh, enough for a person to pass. And you're walking into this crack stone, and you look up, and you start seeing the, the, the sky get less and less because the crack is narrowing. Yeah, and you pretty much someone put a log there, and you pretty much have to scramble up this log, pull yourself into this crevice, and then you have to chimney your way across um, this crack as far as you can go, and then drop down, and then you're kind of underneath this cave that's underneath the actual cloud splitter, so it's like cloud splitter cave. I'm not sure what they call it, and uh, yeah, that was that was actually fairly that was a lot of fun to do. But it was definitely more technical, I guess people would call it. Right. Right. Well, I, have more a question. I, I actually have a question for you. You mentioned that you're using a frameless pack. I just, I've only done two trips of mine so far, but I have a frameless pack right now. And uh, I got a ULA, it's a ULA CDT. Uh-huh. Um, and I just actually, it was funny. They, the um, backpacking flea market on Facebook, they do these sticker things where you buy a pack of stickers and you get put in a raffle. And I actually won one of them. And so, nice. uh, yeah, and so I picked up the pack, and I've used it a couple of times, and I haven't quite dialed it in yet. And so uh, what? how long did it take you to figure yours out to really get it dialed into where it was, like, really comfortable for you? Because I'm still not there yet. How heavy is the pack when you pack it up? Um, What'd you guess? I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess I mean, it's, it's under 20 pounds. Okay, yeah. I'd so say it's it under should, 20 it pounds. Fine. I think for, for me, it took me a, a couple trips to really – get it where it felt dialed in because like you know and you probably figured out like you got to be really careful where you put certain things in a frame of pack or else you're right. going to feel that the entire time you're right you're exactly <laughs> yeah so it just took me a couple of times of like figuring out okay well the heavy heavy quotation marks things in the bottom so like um uh heavy but bulky i guess so like my quilt is down at the bottom my clothes are down at the bottom and then that middle part closest to my back is usually like food or those heavy things like my sitting pad is there as well. And then the top is just the big stuff, uh, little things that I don't really care a yeah. whole lot about just in that bitty bag. And the lighter stuff goes on top. And so, yeah, I'm actually not, of course, I'm not going frameless this uh, upcoming trip no. without too much food. <laughs> yeah. Too much food weight. Yep. So, so, do you, so do you prefer the frameless over the frame pack then? It depends. In the summer, yeah. In the summer, I'll go frameless all the time. Um, but like if it's a longer, so let me say it's two to three days. Um, if it's longer than that, I'd rather have the frame, uh, pack. 
Yeah. Just because the amount of food weight you're carrying, like it just, it just does not, I could probably do it and be uncomfortable for a day or two until I eat um, that stuff out. <laughs> but right. uh, I, I just enjoy, especially Superior Wilderness Designs, they do a nice job of the padding on their shoulder uh, straps. Um, I do not miss having a, a hip belt at all. Once you get light enough, like the, the hip belt catch kind of annoying now. <laughs> really? That's interesting. Yeah. That's I'd rather have it on my shoulders. What's the underquilt that you're using? And what temperature, too? Um, for like your frameless. You mean just a, the top quilt? Oh, you you only use a pad. Yeah, he uses a pad. Yeah. You have, the, oh, you have, a, yeah. You have like the a double layer hammock, right? No, no, I no, don't I have do. double layer. Oh, you I just do a single, single layer and put the put the pad right in there with you? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, my top quilt is an uh, Enlightened Equipment Enigma. And I, I always get the 20. I find like it's a, like a nice sweet spot for, I can use it like I wouldn't take it to Colorado because you never know in those mountain temperatures. Um, and uh, you can also uh, go a little further into winter with it too. Yeah, I got to tell you, dude, um, after using the pad in the hammock, I will never do that again. Ever, <laughs> I would rather not go. I would rather not go than have to use that pad in the hammock. I will never, under any circumstances... Unless I'm going to get like hypothermia or something, will I ever do that again? Well, have you seen the new Banyan hammocks that uh, Dutchware puts out? Well, have if it's a those? bridge hammock and you could put the pad in there and it's like sleeping in yeah. a tent, yeah, like Kevin then Schill, I don't have a problem. Uh, Kevin Schill did one where he put the uh, the pad in the Banyan hammock and it That's looked different. like a bed. Yeah. That's different, man. That sounds comfortable. Yeah. Because it, you're giving cushion under the pad instead of on the ground. Well, and it's the only time I've ever seen a hammock look flat. Yeah, they always do have a little bit of banana, even yeah. if you're like, have a good flat lay. Yeah, he almost convinced me to fork out like $300. I'm not going to, <laughs> but he almost convinced me to. Dude, Miyagi, he's, he is planning on making me a bridge hammock to try out. Because I was like, dude, we need to do a single layer hammock. Because this, one, this one's cool for the wintertime, and it's double layer, and I had double layer, so I could do the pad. Yeah. And you can't remove the layer. And I was like... Can we make one with like a removable net that is single layer so it's lighter and I can use it in the summer? I can put the net in if I want to use it in the winter. I can take the net off and go lighter because the, the quilt's heavier and all that, you know. And he was like, yeah, dude, but you need to try out a bridge hammock. He's going to send me a couple poles to stick in it and try out. I was like, can you make a bridge hammock? He's like, oh, bro, I got you. So I'm excited to try out the bridge hammock. I have so a I feeling have you're going to be his spokesperson when this is all said and done. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know, man. He He's, made you. He made you what a 12 foot <laughs> hammock, right? A 12 yeah, foot hammock. A 13 foot tarp. And a 13 foot tarp. Yeah, I love wow. that guy. He is amazing. That alone is why your gear's so heavy. Yeah, dude. Well, I'm a big guy, man. You are a big guy. Yeah, Tim's six <laughs> one, tall, dark, and handsome, and I'm six three, and like pale, pale. You you do realize that. <laughs> When you shave that beard off, Tim will be the unquestioned king of facial hair <laughs> between the two of you because you will have none. So, um, why are you shaving, Jeremiah? Bridges Bridges don't want it anymore. Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense either. Jason Helmendaller, shout out to him. He's got a YouTube channel too. I've talked about him before, but he makes his own beard oil, and he sent me a brush, like a boar's a boar's um, hair brush. Yeah. And a comb and some oil and some balm. And I'll be using that oil every morning. He's about to send me some more and some balm every night. And it is soft, man. Feel this. Feel that. <laughs> right now, if you can't, if you're listening, I am rubbing Jeremiah's beard, which is really uncomfortable. I oh, just want to point is, that is out. Is it soft or not? Is it soft? Yeah, dude. Yeah. It feels like I'm petting a goat. Exactly, dude. It's like. <laughs> Facial hair is not supposed to be soft, but through the help of Jason Helmendaller, it is. It's usually like real brittle. And I was like, Bridget, look, this is like extra cushion. You can lay your head right here. This is comfy. She's like, no, I hate it. <laughs> I don't but think she's buying that at all. In her defense, whenever we met, I had baby face. You did. So. But you also weighed 100 pounds more. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And speaking of, I want to ask him about this because we haven't talked about our trip. But we talked a little bit off air about training, and we're going to be doing some kind of mountain climbing type deal out in Colorado. Official announcement, I guess. And you told me we have a couple of mountains, I think two in one day, that are like 12,000 foot. And I want to know how you're getting ready, because I'm not ready. 
And the flight's like, like you're three. not ready and you're the leaving. Like- I still have no idea what I'm taking. My body's not in shape, but we still have three days. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we have two passes. I don't think we'll try to do them both in one day. Oh, okay. uh, I think I think we'll, they'll be in back-to-back days. But I think 12-5, I think, are the high, highest passes that we're going over, which is pretty much comparable to what I what we did um, I did a couple of years ago in four-pass loop in, uh, once again, in Colorado. And uh, But four-pass loop forces you to do two passes in the first day and then a, a pass every single day after that. The nice thing about the area that we're going is, uh, yeah, you can just do back-to-back days and 12-5 is what we're doing. In terms of like what I'm doing, uh, I've been b- getting back into running. Uh, the only time I run honestly is when I train. You can't really train for altitude, but right. to me, it still helps you with your breathing. Uh, because, I mean, I'm pretty much like what, I think I'm 700 feet above sea level here, right where I'm at. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the big thing for me is like regulating your breathing and watching your heart rate. And so, like, running helps me be able to, like, run and still breathe and I can still talk. And uh, that way I can manage when you're going up. Uh, because when you're walking there, uh, you you realize that your heart is pumping faster yes. than it should be. Yes. It's a, it's a strange, it's a very odd feeling because once you get up to that height, you're like, I know I can do this. I can do this on the East Coast without, without a problem. Once you get there, there's just less oxygen in your ear. You're, you're huffing and puffing a lot more. And so you, the, the key thing for, for me, I'm talking a lot now. The key thing for me is to force myself to slow down. Because if you don't, you're going to be in for a world of hurt uh, later. <laughs> it's interesting you say that. When, when I did Kilimanjaro a few years back, um, I was training for that. One of the things I actually trained with was an elevation mask. I don't know if you've ever seen those or not. You basically yeah. look like Bane from the Batman movies. But... Uh, that actually, believe it or not, did help quite a bit because I would do I would go hiking, but I would wear that elevation mask and have it take away. Basically, I would have the oxygen level that you would have on top of Kilimanjaro. Oh, so I would set gosh. it so you could barely get any air, and it really does train your lungs, which was which was nice. It did help for that trip, but one of the things that the the guys in Tanzania that were guiding us up the mountain said all the time was pole pole, which is Swahili for slow slow. In other words. Don't rush it because you're not yeah. getting the same oxygen. You just have to yeah. slow your. You just have to slow the pace down because if you don't, you'll pass out. Um, yeah, and it happens all the time to people if they don't know about that or think about it. Um, you hear about it happening in the High Sierras. You ha- hear about it happening on places like Kilimanjaro, and uh, I mean, I think the height that we got to was nineteen thousand five hundred. I should know that number because insane, I didn't, though. but it's it's really up there, wow. and. Uh, I remember that it took seven, five and a half days to get up, to go up. And that was because they want you to acclimate. Because if you were just to go up real quick, you would probably be in big trouble. You get the gins? Some people did. Yeah, yeah, some people did. There was a, there's a medicine you can take. I wish I could remember the name of it now, but it's a, it's a tablet Diamox. you can take. Yeah, Diamox. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I took that. We always used to joke though about the Diamox jitters because you'd take it. And you would yeah. feel these like tingling feelings all through your fingers, like about Ugh. 30 minutes after you'd take it. Ugh. But then it would go away and you'd be fine. But it's just like 30 minutes after you'd feel this like weird, weird tingly feeling. Um, hey, I think you have to pee a lot. I think it's a diuretic. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does cause you drink a lot of water when you're doing it. But yeah. of course, on top of Kilimanjaro, you're, it's not very hot. You're really not sweating much. Um, like you start out at the bottom of the mountain at like 65 degrees. And then it goes from like 65 degrees to... 50 degrees and then the next night you're sleeping it's like 40 and uh by the time you're going to the like when we summited kilimanjaro the temperature was zero with a negative 30 wind chill and 30 mile an hour winds and so we were it was chilly you know (laughs) but uh (laughs) that's why they want you to acclimate because you just don't know what the there's some guys i've known that have, have summited and it was only like 30 degrees up on top of the mountain they were fine but we just happened to get that one year that it was just awful it was like subarctic and uh but it was it's like you said you you can train for the for the altitude you can train for it but until you experience it you really just don't know what you're dealing with until you get there and so yeah. and it's right so around Jeremiah, you'll be seeing me stop a lot just so you know 
So the times I'm like, I'm just need a break. I can drink some water now. <laughs> Dude, yeah. that's cool with me. And you should. And you should. Do we have to? Yeah. I know that we're not really taking micro spikes, and I don't even own them. But I was only at like four or five thousand feet in Vermont in June, and we had we found a little bit of snow and some shadows on Mount Mansfield, which was the highest point in the state, and we had a little snowball fight. So I assume that we're at least going to see snow, but I'm hoping it's not too dangerous because I don't have any experience with anything like that. We we might see snow. I think when we did four pass loops, it was a big snow year. And there was only like one snow field that we crossed. I remember being like, I prayed the entire time, dear God, please <laughs> don't, don't let us fall because it was like, the snow was like sloped completely all over the trail and there was no way around it. And it was just rock field. And so pretty much it was like, so the, the thing I remember is was kick step. So you kick your foot into the snow and step forward, kick again, step, kick step. And, uh, crossing that I jammed my trekking poles as far down as it would go. And the reason was is that you're on the slope and there's no way to stop. If you were to slide or slip, um, the only stop would be like, I think it was a, a giant lake that you, you would fall into wow. off of this cliff. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not expecting Goodness. anything like that. And, and this, like it's where, where we're at should be, uh, I haven't seen any snow warnings or anything. Um, going on. And that's like mechanical injury and hypothermia waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. That sounds awful. I'll, speaking of altitude, you're talking about that. Um, some of the listeners may have heard a little bit about this, so I'll make it quick, but. I lived in Quito, Ecuador for a month doing an internship, and the elevation was a little over 10,000 or 11,000 feet, and I played basketball once. I played a lot of pickup basketball. Their soccer was huge, but I have no foot-eye coordination, and uh, you know I'm like this tall, white American, and <laughs> you know I found some basketball courts in the, in the city park, and they were playing, and... I remember sprinting one time down the court to like try to chase down a block or something. And I jogged back down to our side and I was, it was like breathing through a straw, man. I could not, I was breathing in big breaths, but it felt like you was getting no oxygen. And, uh, I'm right there with you on the stopping and I love snacks yeah. too. So anytime we yeah, stop. Was, yeah. It's a good time to snack up. Exactly. So yeah, I remember trying to double up my water intake too was, was super helpful. Um, like whenever I can, like, cause I think on the east, like sometimes I'll, I'll stretch it and be like, oh, I don't know where I need water now. I don't know when the next water source is, but out there I made sure to like pound water as much as possible. Yeah. Altitude sickness is no joke. It's no joke. Um, I, I watched, I watched some people get pretty, pretty sick and I watched some really athletic, healthy dudes, get really yeah. really sick up on a mountain we had a whole group of guys from sweden in front of us and they partied all night the night before the uh going up to the summit <laughs> and uh woke up the next morning got up before us and they were going to beat us up there and then halfway up we start seeing casualties and there's just guy after guy after guy who just couldn't make it was thrown up was crying he what was do they pain, do headaches do they just they, go home yeah they never went up they never made they it just up. go home yeah there's something like not everybody who does kilimanjaro makes it yeah, I mean, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, but. They, they don't. And and you really, like, that's why it's so important. Even, like, with Colorado, I mean, you, you've got to know where you're going and what you're going up against. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't prepare yourself for it, you're not going to make it. I mean, that's anything you do. You yeah, know? Well, I've been drinking a cup of coffee and smoking two cigarettes for breakfast. That's how I'm preparing. <laughs> so I think we're golden, actually. So, yeah, the big thing is, I think, uh, like, as soon as you start seeing symptoms like that, you should go down. It's the big thing. Yeah. So, yeah, like I know we, we kind of changed our schedule a little bit, Jeremiah. That's probably for the best because once we get those two days out of the way, it's pretty much a gradual slow downhill, you know, in terms of the overall profile. Mm. So that's good because I think it, um, once we're heading our way down, like once you hit about 10,000, there should really shouldn't be a whole lot that you're feeling anymore. Good. At least that's how it was for me. Um, once I started hitting down, you know, in the, in the mid 10, I was fine back to really, really normal good i didn't know we changed the schedule but that sounds good to me i'm, <laughs> I'm excited man we how many nights yeah. in the woods are we spending out there i think uh four four nights or four days i think it's 
overnight. You don't oh even know how gosh, long you're going to be gone. You're going on a trip and you don't even know how long you're dude, gone. Dude, I know when the flight leaves. <laughs> and they yeah, told me, <laughs> bring winter gear. And I was like, all right. <laughs> really? For real, bro? Okay, so here's a question for you because you guys are, you're not bringing hammocks for this. Is is that not possible on this trail or did you guys just make the decision to do that or well, what was the plan I with think that? It's, it's doable to do hammocks. Um, the reason I didn't do it is because everyone's pretty much bringing tents. And I hate to be that guy uh, who's like, well, we got to go a little lower, guys, because I need trees. <laughs> so you didn't <laughs> so want to be way, a diva is basically what it comes down to. Yeah. So this this way, the option is there if we want to camp higher because, hey, this is a really cool spot here. Or looking out on this area, we can't. We can stop. Because uh, there are a couple of times I remember on Four Path where I'm like, oh, this would be a cool campsite. But I couldn't because there weren't trees there. <laughs> yep. is, and so, is it wide yeah. open for tents? Yeah, it's pretty much like dispersed uh, camping uh, for like like how Dolly Sods is, where you don't need a permit or a, a specific campsite. Oh, that's nice. As long as you're following the wilderness rules, you should be fine um, camping pretty much wherever. Well, for the record, for all those people that, well, probably like thereof people that were going to email me or message me saying, you know, I'm an idiot for not preparing. I will, I will take the time to figure out the topography and actually look at the map and go through my gear. But I have some experience, so I yeah, think we'll be good. Did. You've been on at least two yeah. two backpacking trips in your life. At so. least two, and yeah. I mean, no better time to try out new gear than at twelve thousand foot. Right? Exactly. Just bring I'm it all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it's a funny story you mentioned that because. We were supposed to go to Utah. We were gonna yeah, we were gonna we backpack were. with Devin this this spring. Oh, yeah. we we're supposed to head down there and backpack with him. And he he told me he said you're not gonna be able to bring a hammock. He said you're gonna have to bring a tent. And so I went out and got myself a new tent. And Corona happened. Yep, got and, screwed on that one. And I don't use a tent anymore, hardly ever. So now I've got this like two hundred and fifty dollar. Well, it was worth more than that, but it was on sale. But I got a two hundred and fifty dollar paperweight sitting in my garage right now. Really depressing. But side note, not to detract, but Devin is an awesome guy. Yeah, he is. And you guys already know that. I mean, he is like fantastic. One of the one of the best people. I think one, one just you meet like a ton of people on YouTube, um, and he is just such a good guy. I think when I when we told him a few years ago that we wanted to go to Utah, he was he was like so like so jazzed about it. He was jazzed when we were there, and he was just such a great a great host. So yeah, he was he was gonna note. be he was gonna be our trail dad. Like we, he, and, he and I, he and I were kind of working the details out on it, and we were trying to figure out what the weather was going to be like because we were going to the beginning of June. So, if the weather was good enough, we were going to hit the Uintas. If it was a little too cold before that, we were going to go do, do the desert. And he he already had both ideas of what he wanted to do with it, and was explaining like where we need to fly in, how many cars we need to rent. I, I mean, he he's a genius when it comes to backpacking. And it's, I mean, he teaches a college course on it. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it makes sense that he would know that. But you're right. He is he is one of the most genuine, kind people you're going to meet. He's so yeah, he's knowledgeable. Fantastic. He's got a great yep. YouTube channel, too, and, and great podcast. podcast. Well, he's the one that told – He actually, it's funny because he and I both started talking about doing a podcast at the same time. Yeah. And uh, then two weeks later, he's got a podcast. And just like that? Yeah, just like that. And so I, I called him up and I said, hey, man, tell me what you did. Tell me how you... And so everything that we're doing, a lot of it is from, from talking to Devin. Yeah. And I was on his podcast and he was like, hold on a second. I got to scoot around. And you know why his sound was so good? He was buried in his clothes closet and it was trapping all the sound. Like it was just sound dead, you know, because his voice was hitting right. all the clothes and it just killed it. And I was like, man, that sounds fantastic. And he's like, yeah, I'm just... Sitting here in the closet. Hold on, just a second. <laughs> Let me plug this up. <laughs> he knows what he knows what's up, man. Well, it's it's here's the here's the fun thing. And Tim, I think you you agree with this too. But one of the cool things about meeting the different guys that are on YouTube is you realize there's just a lot of family guys. A lot of guys who just they have families, wives, kids, um, live normal lives. They just really enjoy backpacking and making videos about them. And uh, you find some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. I've met in the last year from YouTube. So it's just yeah. some good people out there. Most of them are super cool. Yeah. I'd say Tim's met a lot. He's a YouTube OG. Yeah. <laughs> it, what was it? What was it? The, uh, what was it? The Shill brothers called him. They called him our leader. <laughs> Did they say that? <laughs> I, I forget what video it was on. It was maybe, a, it, it might've been a year ago. They said something about it. Just... He, he said something. Yeah. They, they said something. It was funny because I remember when they started their, their channel, I was like, Oh, these guys are cool. Like they're brothers and they're hanging out and they're, 
backpacking together. And I remember watching their stuff because they, they liked it when I did, this is so many years ago now, I did the waterproofing test for my arc haul and they saw that and they made their own video where they put on scuba gear and their arc haul and do- dove into a pond. <laughs> wow. I have not seen that. I they can no, scuba dive. Oh. You have, you have to find the arc haul video that they did uh, where they tested out the waterproofness and they ended it with, with that. <laughs> I didn't even know they did scuba diving. I, they must because they had it. They had definitely had a scuba or, or a wetsuit on. I want to say they had a scuba tank and stuff. But yeah, well, apparently that was years ago. Yeah, apparently they do everything because like they've had their parents yeah. on like Mother's Day and Father's Day this year. They did a Mother's Day and a Father's Day thing, and between the two, they talked about all the different hobbies they've had. <laughs> and it's like I think they've been into everything outside. If it's outside, they've done it basically. Especially, uh, especially Andy. Which, by the way, have you guys? You guys have listened to their podcast, have you? I never. I didn't know they had a podcast. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, so, I heard. Have you heard it yet, Tim? Have you listened to their podcast? No, I have not. No. Andy's voice is butter. Really? That dude just needs to do radio for a living. He has the best. I mean, his voice is so. There's some. His voice is really deep. It's the chocolate milk, man. It is, man. The chocolate milk. I'll tell you. The next time I see him, I need to be like, dude. You need to be in radio full time because your voice is butter. It's it's amazing. It's am- I was so impressed. Like I listened to it, I was like, I just want to like give him a book every night and say, "Will you just call me and read to me and like so I can go to sleep?" He's got the next Morgan Freeman voice. Man, he needs to do narration and like commercials and stuff. Like he's got the voice for it. Yeah, you're gonna have to listen to it, man. Just listen to their podcast and then you can call me as soon as you're done and go. You're right, <laughs> butter. Oh, what were we? What were we talking about? Our Colorado trip. Oh yeah, the hammocks. I was gonna say, um, I would have done a hammock, dude. If it, I prefer it now, but I was gonna be the only one doing the hammock too, and mine was gonna be so heavy because it's all my winter gear, and it's a zero degree underquilt, and it's fifteen degree overquilt. Well, not anymore. You've got a new underquilt. Yeah, I got a new a new underquilt today, but it was gonna be. It was a forty. It's a forty degree underquilt. From UGQ. Thank you, Chad, for sending that to me. And I'm going to do a review on that later on. But I couldn't have taken it on this trip because I don't think it would have been warm enough at those altitudes. Yeah. I just want to be safe, too, because you said you're bringing, what, a 20-degree top quilt. Yeah. Yeah, you'll, you'll be surprised at how fast the temperature drops. Once the sun goes over the mountain, like it, it drops pretty dramatically, or it can. Well, I... Um, backpacking with Jason sent me a screenshot of the weather for the location we're going to. I don't know what the nearest city is, but that was what he typed in. Yeah. And the lows were like, you know, around 40 degrees at night. I was like, yeah, man, that's cold. Cause I was going to like head out this week here. And the low was like, what? 70, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, when I went out a couple weeks ago to, uh, to Hanson's point, uh, just did an overnight out there real quick. And it got down the lowest. It got down to a 76. So, I mean, I had a Costco 40-degree quilt, and it wasn't even a full-length thing. It was just covering my, basically my shoulders down to my ankles. Did you do an underquilt? That was the underquilt, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it was, I mean, I didn't need anything else because it was so stinking hot. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to have that in Colorado. No, it's cold. <laughs> no, it's a, not even going to be close to that in Colorado. Tim, are you doing the um, the Neo Air? Yep, that's what I use pretty much year-round, except even... Uh, yeah, I pretty much use that year around. <laughs> the Neo Air X-Therm. X-Therm, yeah. That's supposed to be a warmer temperature because I have the the yellow one, the X-Lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I love how much heat that thing reflects. Like, I uh, pretty much toss off everything off of me and just have that. And it's like laying on a, a car seat warmer. Oh, wow. Yeah, I need so, to get one. So you're not going to cave to pressure and, and move to Nemo like a bunch of other people have? <laughs> no, no. I'm too big a fan. <laughs> You're a fanboy for uh, yeah, I, I really really like it. Yeah, I, I have a lot of friends that love Thermarest. Uh, buddy, I I did the shell toy trace with. He swears by him. Actually, he just got the um, what's the Uber Light, the, the little <laughs> yeah, the really light one. We went and did some of the Big South Fork. Uh, I guess back in April or May or something like that. And mm-hmm. He he used his uh, Uber Light. I've been curious about it. that. It's crazy. Well, Tim, we've done an hour, man, that fast. Wow, that went fast. 
Yes. Um, tell tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Well, the nice thing about having such like a distinctive name is if you Google Tim Watson on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, you'll find to find me. And so Tim Watson or Tim Watson Outdoors, and I'll show up, I'm sure. That's what's up, That's man. That's awesome, man. Thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate you being on the show, yeah, man. Yeah, appreciate you having me. It's definitely good to chat with you for the first time. Hopefully we get to do this again sometime. Sure. Anytime. Yeah, awesome, dude. Man. I'll see you in a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> Take us out, JK. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Tim. We appreciate you being here. And thank you for tuning in today to the Backpacking Podcast. As always, I'm here with my cohort in crime, Mr. Jeremiah Stringer. And we will catch you on the next go-round. Adios. Adios.